Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. click, click, click. Writer's block? Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to BGN Memories. This is episode number three. I am John Stolness from BleedingGreenNation.com. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. And coming up on this episode of BGN Memories, we are going to hop into the Wayback Machine to February of 2018 when we take a look back at the Eagles Super Bowl win over the Patriots. Look, I never said that this Memories podcast was going to always take us back to the Marion Campbell days or the Buddy Ryan days, you know, it's with the Super Bowl coming up on Sunday between the Rams and the Patriots. I figured rather than take a look back at the two Super Bowls the Eagles lost, I mean, who wants to listen to a podcast about the two Super Bowls the Eagles lost? Let's talk about this, the Super Bowl the Eagles won. And for the next few days, until the Rams or the Patriots win the Super Bowl, your Philadelphia Eagles are still defending Super Bowl champions. So let's revel in it for another couple of days and remember what it was like this time of year last year uh, when the Eagles were heading to Minneapolis to take on the New England Patriots for the Super Bowl. And, you know, obviously... It's a little bit sad that the Eagles are not going to be playing for a Super Bowl title here coming up in the next couple of days. But, you know, we still can look back on this game and it's still fresh in our minds. And why the hell not? (laughs) It's again, would you be would you want me to go through the 2004 Super Bowl when when the Eagles lost to the Patriots or jump back? And one day we will go look back at Super Bowl 15 um, with the Super Bowl. The Eagles lost to the Oakland Raiders because, you know, we don't often think about that game simply because it was a completely forgettable game. But um you know, we, we look back at last year's Super Bowl win off the Patriots just because it's a hell of a lot of fun. And and really, this season was a terrific follow-up season to their Super Bowl victory last year over the Patriots. You know, they got back into the playoffs after it looked like they wouldn't. But it obviously sucks that they're not back there again this year. Um, all right, so let's let's kind of jump back a year ago in your mind. Hop into, the, uh, hop into your little time capsule, and uh, let's go back to February of... 2018, and uh, obviously the team was feeling great coming off their 38-7 NFC Championship game win over the Vikings, but this was still Nick Foles versus Tom Brady, and clearly if the Eagles were going to win this game, they weren't going to be able to get into a shootout with the Patriots, right? I mean, there's no way Nick Foles can keep up with Tom Brady, right? Uh, We remember the week leading up to the game was just... Ridiculous. Vikings fans were giving Eagles a really hard time in Minneapolis all week. Booed booed the Eagles during uh, the media day with Minnesota fans in attendance, just acting very sore loserish. And the Eagles were riding that underdog wave. Uh, They were five and a half point favorites uh, during the course of the week. And that line moved a little bit here and there. But I specifically remember how confident the city was. For that game, and I covered the city's reaction. I was uh, I was up in Philadelphia on the day of the game. I you know I'm based out of Washington D.C., but I was up in Philadelphia to cover the city's reaction to the Super Bowl for Westwood One, and uh, I was uh, 
at, at the Fillmore in Philadelphia, uh, where there was a big viewing party. And, um, you know, it was I got I got to uh, talk to some fans beforehand uh, to see how they felt heading into the game. And uh, this was one of the reports that I filed for Westwood One before the game. The city of Philadelphia has been without an NFL championship since 1960. This is only their third Super Bowl. They have yet to win one. The city feels like it's long overdue. This fan felt like it's destiny. I'm not a very religious person, but the Eagles are the way that I feel like I'm a part of something bigger than myself. Like, I'm not, I don't go to church every week. I don't do anything like that. Like, it bugs my mom that I'm not religious. But this is how I feel like it's something bigger than myself. The Eagles come into the game as four-and-a-half-point underdogs, and yet their fans feel like tonight's the night. I'm John Stolmes. Now, the city was really confident going into the Super Bowl, and it's kind of surprised me just how confident the city was. Because I was not as confident. I, I, I certainly did not feel like it was inevitable that the Eagles were going to win the Super Bowl. Yes, I felt really good about our chances, especially coming off that NFC Championship game. But I in, I in no way felt assured. I mean, you've heard Brandon Lee Gowton on BGN Radio with me talk about how he was sure the Eagles were going to win the Super Bowl. How he felt so confident that they were going to win that game. And I did not. And I will tell you why. Because I had the one Eagles game, the one big Eagles game in the team's history that I felt that confident for was the NFC Championship game following the 2001 season against the Buccaneers when they were going to close down Veterans Stadium with a win over a Tampa team they had beaten the previous two seasons in the Super Bowl and close down the vet in grand style getting to the, their first Super Bowl since Super Bowl 15. I was sure they were going to win that game. And I was sure they were going to win that game when Brian Mitchell returned the opening kickoff deep into Tampa territory. And I was sure they were going to win that game until, right after Deuce Staley, two plays later, scored the opening touchdown. I was so sure they were going to win that football game. And then, obviously, I was crushed. And so I don't think I've ever allowed myself to feel that confident. Even if I thought the Eagles were huge favorites or whatever Philadelphia sports team was a huge favorite, I never allowed myself to feel that level of security again. And that's what that's the feeling that was in the back of my mind that whole week leading up to the Super Bowl is I already felt this level of confidence once before and it turned into one of the most crushing defeats in team history and in my life as a Philadelphia sports fan and I wasn't going to go there again. Uh, so I was not, I did not join in the parade of Eagles fans who were feeling uber confident heading in to Super Bowl 52. It was the team's third Super Bowl, and obviously it was a revenge game from 2004 when the Eagles lost to the Patriots 24 to 21 in a game that I am still convinced the Patriots cheated in. It was during uh, the the time when it was believed that uh, the Patriots were spying on other teams' practices, and uh, during the height of the Spygate era, I mean, Spygate would come out a couple seasons later, but. Uh, some of the things the Patriots were accused of doing came during the time that this Super Bowl would have been played. And we don't have any proof that the Patriots cheated. But when you think about how the Eagles dominated the first half of that game, it's not unprecedented that a team dominates the first half of a game. And then a team like the Patriots, a smart team like New England, makes all kinds of changes at halftime and completely flips the script. We've seen that before, but it just felt really strange how severely the script was flipped. And let's be honest, Donovan McNabb had a terrible game in that Super Bowl. Uh, he had a couple of uh, turnovers that were 
wiped out by New England penalties, but um, they blew a million opportunities to really put the game away in the first half, and it was 7-7 going into halftime. The Patriots just kind of pulled away from the Eagles in the second half. The score is a little bit closer than the actual game was, and the Eagles never really had a legit shot to win that game in the second half. And so uh, we, it wasn't really a rematch or a, a revenge game for the players because this was a completely different unit. With the exception of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, both of these teams were completely different heading into last year. But for the fans, we wanted a little bit of payback from that 2004 Super Bowl. And uh, so when we got the draw was the New England Patriots, I would have preferred to play the Jacksonville Jaguars because I knew we would have beaten the Jaguars. Then I would have felt really confident. But there's no way I could have felt that confident taking on Tom Brady, who just a year before had led the Patriots back from a 28-3 third quarter deficit to win the Super Bowl. Just no way I could feel super confident that we were going to win that game. So, as we head into Super Bowl 52, let's jump into the first quarter. And both teams scored a field goal on their opening possession, and it was clear early on that the good foals had shown up once again. When, when Carson Wentz went down last year, obviously there was a lot of worry about Nick Foles leading the team to the Super Bowl because we just were not sure which Nick Foles we were going to get. We had seen Nick Foles play well before. We have also seen Nick Foles not play well. But we got Nick Foles, we got good Nick Foles in the second half of their divisional game against the Falcons, and then we got super-duper Nick Foles in the NFC Championship game, and it was clear early on that that same player was the one who took the field for Super Bowl 52 in the biggest game of his life. On the Eagles' second drive... They went, for, they went for the home run ball on what still might be the prettiest big game catch in Eagles history. The receiver, Smith in motion, blunt in the backfield. Three-man front comes charging, fake handoff, dropping back by Foles, launches a long spiral, back of the end zone, far side, leaping, two-handed, falling down, catch made by Jeffrey! What a catch! Touchdown, Philadelphia! 34-yard pass! That 34-yard throw from Foles and the acrobatic catch by Jeffrey, who we would later learn after the game was playing on a busted collarbone, was simply poetry in motion, man. I keep, that just the way he, the body control that Jeffrey showed on that acrobatic touchdown, leaping into the air over Eric Rowe and bringing that ball down, holding onto it as he landed on the ground, especially with a broken collarbone, you gotta be kidding me. And it was clear that Foles was dialed in early, matching Brady throw for throw. It was a beautiful toss to Alshon Jeffrey, where Foles took a chance. Foles has always done this with Jeffrey. Foles likes to put the ball up and give his big physical wide receiver a chance to go get it. And it worked out there with the Eagles jumping on top 9-3. to three. Of course, Jake Elliott frustratingly missed the extra point, which kept the score right there at six point with the Eagles having a six point lead. As we move into the second quarter, New England got the ball first and tried to answer, driving to the Philadelphia eight yard line. However, low snap ball put down bad. The kick is up, hits the upright. No good. A low snap to the holder, Ryan Allen. It skidded. He had trouble getting it up. The kicker hesitated and the kick showed it with the line drive wobbly boot that hit the upright. On the left side, missed field goal. That bobbled snap on the 26-yard attempt kept the score at 9-3. The Eagles would then punt for the only time all game. and It was the only punt in the entire game, in fact. The Patriots followed by turning the ball over on downs, notably after a little bit of Pat's trickery didn't work exactly as planned. Third down and five here. 
And now you got to flip back here to Danny uh -oh. Amendola, who throws, and it's Brady who can't haul it in. So Brady was free, looks over his shoulder, trickery and deceit, fourth down. Dude was wide open, and Tom just dropped it. And as we would see a little bit later on in the game, that would prove to be a little bit of ironic foreshadowing. Uh, on the Eagles' next possession, they got into the end zone once again, thanks to the powerful legs of LeGarrette Blunt. Here goes Blunt from the 10 to the 5. He runs into the end zone. Touchdown! Got the blocking, swerved his way. 21-yard touchdown run. LeGarrette Blunt over the left side. That 21-yard touchdown run was part of a solid day for the bruising running back. He rushed for 90 yards on 14 carries against his former team. Uh, if you watch the America's Game uh, video, not video, the America's Game documentary that the NFL Network does, you, Blunt said that this game was hugely important to him, that this mattered more because it was against his former team, the Patriots. And you could tell by how hard he was running. He had a couple of big, huge chunk runs in this game. And really, nobody wanted any part of LeGarrette Blunt. Nobody on New England wanted any part of him on this day. He was he was a machine. Uh, 90 yards for 14 carries. The Eagles went for two after that Blunt touchdown to try and get that missed point back, but failed. So that made the score 15-3. to Finally, the Patriots got on the board again with a field goal, making it 15-6. to And with the Eagles driving again, looking to really give themselves some serious distance here in the second quarter. Foles looked for another home run ball to Jeffrey down the right sideline. However, Jeffrey couldn't haul it in cleanly, batted the ball up in the air into the hands of Duran Harmon, who returned the ball from his own two to his own eight. Foles gets it, winds up, long lunging, spiral down the far sideline, leaping attempted, bobbling catch, and on the ricochet, it was intercepted on the play, picked up by Deron Harmon inside the five on the carom. He then takes it to the numbers and runs to the ten, and a pickoff on a ricochet. Down the far sideline, intercepted by New England. It's interesting to think about, what if the Eagles had scored another touchdown there and gone up 22-6? to six? You know, would they have still gone for the Philly special at any point in this game? It's interesting to think about what might have happened in an alternate universe where Alshon Jeffrey hauls that pass in. They go up by a 22 to 6 score. And now maybe you don't need that Philly special. You don't get that iconic play. Maybe they still run it later on, but you certainly don't get it in the dramatic style in which it happened. Maybe it happens later in the game in equally dramatic style. That's certainly possible, uh, but uh, it would have. It was interesting. It would be interesting to see what would have happened had the Eagles scored a touchdown there and made it twenty-two to six in the, uh, about midway through the second quarter. Anyway, the Patriots took that interception and drove down the field quickly and scored with just over two minutes remaining before halftime, thanks to this touchdown run by James White. That's the snap. Spins was left. Hands off to White over the left guard. He got a block at the 25 on the numbers, the 20. He goes inside. He's at the 15, the 10, breaks the tackle, the 10, the 5, touchdown! White frees himself, wiggles free, runs into the end zone. Touchdown, New England! Guskowski missed the extra point, making the score 15-12. to However, the Eagles got the ball back with just under two minutes left. And that's when history was made. First, Foles hit Corey Clement on a wheel on a wheel route for a 55-yard catch and run, one of many huge plays made by the rookie free agent. He became the first rookie running back in Super Bowl history to have more than 100 yards receiving. He caught four balls for 100 yards. However, the Eagles finally faced a fourth and goal from the Patriots' one-yard line, and the Eagles had a big decision to make. Here's Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels talking about 
the decision to go for it on fourth down just ahead of the Philly special on the NBC broadcast. Are they really going to go for well, this? Well, they're lining up to go for it anyway from the one-yard line with 38 seconds. Whoa, baby. He's a gambler. And they're good at two-point conversions. They probably have a play they really like. Philadelphia, 30-second timeout. Taking a look at what how the Patriots... We're lining up 17 fourth down conversions. That's the most by any team in almost a decade. One for one in the two playoff games. Doug Peterson, what a job he has done. Long time backup. Dan Marino is in front of him in Miami, and then for many years, Brett Favre on Andy Reid's staff when he got into coaching in the NFL. A decade ago, he's coaching high school in Louisiana. This is an unbelievable call. This is like going for the onside kick against Peyton Manning because you don't want him to get the ball too many times. You don't think you can hold him out. And here we go. And of course, as we were watching on TV, we saw Foles walk over to Peterson. The two exchanged words. And it really wasn't surprising to us that the Eagles would go for it on fourth down. It's something we saw Doug Peterson do over and over and over again all season. And we had seen the year before. In the Super Bowl against the Atlanta Falcons, uh, with the Falcons and the Patriots, how the Atlanta Falcons played timidly once they went up 28-3. They called off the dogs. They stopped being aggressive. We saw how the Jaguars did the same thing in the AFC Championship game and how the Patriots took advantage of it each time. And Doug Peterson was determined not to fall into the same trap that had doomed those other two teams against the Patriots. And so no surprise to us that he was going for it on fourth down. What we didn't know at the time was the play that these two men were cooking up, but we do now. Foles went over to Peterson and suggested the play that is now one of the most memorable in Super Bowl history. Foles running up and down the line. It's a direct snap, and it goes to Clement, who gives it off to Burton, the tight end, who then throws in the end zone. Touchdown! Foles caught the ball on a touchdown pass of the yard by the tight end! What did we just see? The Philly special, that pass from Clement to Burton to Foles, put the Eagles up 22-12 to and etched a play that will forever be remembered in NFL Super Bowl history. It will go down as one of the five greatest plays in Super Bowl history, and it might be. It might be the greatest play in Super Bowl history. And the Eagles soared into halftime with a 22-12 to lead, demoralizing the New England Patriots with that Philly special. And we all sat back and watched Justin Timberlake perform, resting comfortably in the knowledge that the Eagles had a 10-point lead and that this Philadelphia team was not wilting under the pressure of the biggest game any of these players had ever played before in their lives. Coming up, we're going to take a look at the second half of Super Bowl 52, right here on BGN Memories. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com, designed for work. Welcome back to BGN Memories. Uh, we're talking about Super Bowl 52 here, and we're going to jump into the second half now as the teams emerge from the locker room for the third quarter. And the New England Patriots knew 
that they had to do something here on their opening possession because they simply were not stopping the Eagles' offense. And unfortunately for Philadelphia, although at the in the end of the day it all worked out and we got a, an NFL classic after uh, when all was said and done, but the Patriots were not going to go away quietly. They simply could not be stopped in the third quarter and for most of the fourth quarter here in Super Bowl 52. They came out and shoved the ball down the Eagles' throats, ending in this Brady pass to Rob Gronkowski. Shotgun snap to Brady. Cox's his right arm, line drive throw, caught, falling down, belt high grab, touchdown Gronkowski. A laser thrown by Brady. A five-yard touchdown grab. Two-handed lunging catch made middle of the end zone, Gronkowski. Brady targeted Gronk on five of the drive's eight plays, with Gronk hauling in four of them. And the plan was clear. Attack with Gronkowski. That made the score 22-19, and suddenly we had a ball game again. Now, thankfully, the Patriots' defense had no answers for the Eagles' offense. The Eagles drove down the field for a long drive that ended on an incredible throw from Foles to Corey Clement for 22 yards, throwing the ball over three defenders in the back of the end zone. Shotgun snap to Foles, sets up, has time, looks and throws a long marching spiral pass into the end zone, over the shoulder, catch! It was grabbed! Clement was a in! Touchdown! Touchdown! 22-yard throw, cloaked with defenders! He hauls it in over his shoulder in the back of the end zone. Now, this play would ultimately be reviewed, and I, I got to say, I did not feel good about this catch being upheld. I, I was telling everybody around me, there's no way they're going to uphold this catch. No way. Because you could see the ball move. And under the, the catch rule, as it existed last year, that really probably wasn't a catch according to those rules. However, the refs decided to use common sense instead of following the actual NFL rulebook and determined that Clement really never lost control of the ball, that he was simply repositioning the ball as he was rolling out of the end zone. And so the, the touchdown was upheld, and I was shocked. I did not think there was any way that call was going to be upheld. But uh, in the end, Fortune smiled on the Eagles, and the Birds were up by 10 again, 29-19. New England, of course, Punched right back. This is punch, counter, punch, punch, counter, punch here in the second half. This time with a brisk drive that ended with a big chunk touchdown pass to Chris Hogan. Shotgun snap to Brady. Long line drive down the middle. A twisting two-handed helmet high. Falling down catch. Touchdown Hogan. Caught the ball. Hit hard. 26-yard throw. Brady on the money. McLeod was beaten. And again, the Patriots fight back on a 26-yard touchdown pass by Tom Brady. Hogan also had a big game for the Patriots, and now the score was 29-26. to The Eagles were trying to play keep away from New England. This was kind of like the Eagles were the big brother and the Patriots were the little brother, and the Eagles were holding their hand, their arm outstretched with their hand on the Patriots' head, and the Patriots were trying to swing wildly and connect to the Eagles' midsection, and the Eagles were holding them at arm's length, but eventually that would stop working. Um... As we enter the fourth quarter, the Eagles answered with a field goal seconds into the final quarter to make it 32-26, to but now the Patriots could take the lead if they scored another touchdown, and they did. Rex Burkhead rumbled for a first down. Brady started picking the Eagles apart with Danny Amendola until he finally hit Gronk once again for his second touchdown of the half. There's an arching spiral pass in the corner, a lunging, falling down, two and a catch, touchdown Gronkowski! Back corner of the end zone, stretching out his body, he's looking into the lights, hauls it in, beats Ronald Darby. Four-yard touchdown pass. The Patriots have come back to tie. 
Super Bowl 52. And the big problem here was that the Eagles pass rush, which had been so good all season, was simply not getting to Tom Brady. Brady was getting rid of the ball quickly, but he had all day to throw. He wasn't getting pressured. He wasn't getting moved off his spot. He didn't have to throw on the run or worry about getting hit. He could just sit back and was picking the Eagles secondary apart. It was really kind of disturbing. And with the extra point, the Patriots led 33 to 32. For the first time all game, this was the first time when I really thought the Eagles were going to lose. I thought, this is what the Patriots do. And the Eagles, can they match? Can they answer back? I wasn't sure that they could. But New England hadn't stopped the Eagles all game. So out comes Nick Foles, who was playing the game of his life. Could Nick Foles and Nick and Doug Peterson handle the pressure? Could could they could they retake the lead here on this drive? Would the Eagles stop being aggressive and go into a shell? The answer is no. The Eagles got a first down, but then at their own 45 were faced with another fourth and one. And in one of those plays that doesn't get talked about as much as the others from this game, Foles hit Ertz for a huge first down to keep the drive alive. It's just another one of Doug Peterson's aggressive calls. He could have punted the ball away and asked his defense to get a stop, but he recognized his defense hadn't stopped New England all day, and you don't give the Patriots a chance to put, put their foot on your throat. You got to keep the hammer down, as Doug Peterson mentioned during the course of the Super Bowl on one of the NFL Network's uh, mic'd in NFL Films mic'd in uh, programs. And uh, the Eagles did the right thing, going for it on fourth down. Got to do it. Got to stay aggressive against the Patriots in this game. And from there, the Eagles wouldn't be denied. Foles hit Aguilar for three straight passes, totaling 38 yards to the New England 14. And after a three-yard run by Jay Ajayi, a Foles pass to Jeffrey that was incomplete. The Eagles faced a third and seven from the New England 11. And the Patriots called their second timeout of the half. And that was when history happened. Shotgun snap. Foles caught his arm. Easy pass across the middle. Caught in stride. Bobbled. Caught on a deflection touchdown. It's Ertz in the middle. 11-yard touchdown grab on a quick slant. Caught the ball. Hit the turf. The ball popped out. He got it on the ground. Reeled it in. Beating Devin McCourty. Touchdown, Philadelphia. They've taken the lead. That 11-yard touchdown pass put the Eagles back on top, but hold on. Another damn review, but this one this one was obvious. Ertz clearly had established himself as a runner before the ball came out of his hands after he crossed the plane of the goal line. It was an easy call for, and for the first time, I was not nervous about that one. I know it took a long time. They reviewed it for a long while, but I was never nervous that they were going to overturn that one. That one was clear as day. Even that one was too obvious for the refs to mess up. So the Eagles led 38-33, to but now Tom Brady had 2 minutes and 21 seconds left, down by only 5. He had one timeout and the 2-minute warning. He might as well have had 5 minutes, given how effective he was and how effective the Patriots' offense had been. Would the Eagles finally be able to get a stop? Brady completed an 8-yard pass to Gronk, and then on 2nd and 2, from his own 33, Brandon Graham made the biggest play in franchise history. Brady's in the gun, four-man rush, Brady moves up, he's hit, the ball, George free, it's picked up by Philadelphia, picked up on the play by Barnett, it was loose and Brady was trying to throw, he was hit, the ball, George free, and Barnett, the rookie, picks it up for the Eagles. Brady sat on the field, hands on knees, crushed, I, I still, to this day, I have never seen Tom Brady with that expression on a football field, just absolutely destroyed by his mistake. The Eagles, meanwhile, 
just erupting in celebration. I love watching Nick Foles celebrate, jumping up and down, screaming, and then try to compose himself and get himself back into the mindset that he had been in for that entire game. It's just amazing. The raw emotion of that play, of that moment, It's that was for the first time I knew that the Eagles were going to win that game. The game-clinching strip sack from Brandon Graham will always be remembered as the biggest play in, in in Eagles history. Not NFL history, that would be saying a lot. The Eagles settled for a monster 46-yard field goal by Elliott. What a, just a, a huge kick by the rookie kicker to make it an eight-point game, 41-33. Brady got the ball back with 58 seconds and no timeouts from his own nine. He was almost sacked in the end zone at one point. He was pushed to a fourth and 10 from his own nine, but managed to get a first down. He got the ball back to midfield with nine seconds left, but with no timeouts, that's when New England gave it one last prayer. Brady, second down and 10 from his 49, shotgun snap. Here comes the rush, he's hit, he spins away, he resets, he cocks his arm, he throws long in the end zone to our left jump ball. It's ricocheted around and incomplete in the end zone. Zero's on the clock, it's over! The Eagles have beaten the New England Patriots! 41-33! In Super Bowl 52, they have finally done it. The city of Philadelphia finally has a Super Bowl champion. And their first NFL championship since 1960. The confetti flies, and it's the color of green. And the Eagles, for the first time in franchise history, were Super Bowl champions. And I was... I was Thrilled to be up in Philadelphia covering all of this uh, for Westwood One. After the game, I went out onto the streets with folks and filed a couple of reports for the network. Here's what they sounded like. The city of brotherly love is not often known for brotherly love, but the love is flowing after the Eagles beat the Patriots to win their first Super Bowl championship in team history. It's an emotional night for fans who have been waiting decades for this night to come. That was one of the most unbelievable emotional outbursts in my entire life. Police are lined along the streets in South Philly and Center City to keep the peace, but it's a happy mood in downtown Philadelphia. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles! As fans who don't even know each other embrace and hug each other, give each other high fives, and sing the Eagles fight song over and over and over again. John Stolness, Philadelphia. Of course, Nick Foles was named Super Bowl MVP. He went 28 for 43 for 373 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception for a 106.1 rating. Honestly, Tom Brady had the better game with the exception of that strip sack. 28 out of 48 for 505 yards passing, most passing yards he'd ever thrown for in a Super Bowl. Three touchdowns, but of course that one killer fumble. He had a 115.4 rating. Um, on the Eagles' side of the ball, Aguilar had a game that no one talks about. Nine huge catches for 84 yards. Jeffrey had three for 73. Ertz, seven for 67. Torrey Smith, five for 49. Jay Ajayi ran for 57 yards on nine carries. The running game was huge in this game for the Eagles. Danny Amendola caught eight balls for 152 yards. Uh, Hogan had six for 128, and Gronk nine for 116. In fact, just an unbelievable number of records uh, were broken or tied in the Super Bowl, including um, most field goals in a game for both teams, most first downs in a game for both teams, most passes in a game, most touchdown passes for both teams. Uh, you had the fewest punts ever. 
Um, I think it was uh, the most yardage ever by far in any NFL game. Most total yards in a game by a team. The New England Patriots had 613 yards. Most total yards in a game by both teams. Over 1,151 total yards in this game. That's the most of any game in NFL history. Not just Super Bowl history. In NFL history of any game. Postseason or regular season. And during the game, we found out that Belichick had benched one of his top cornerbacks, Malcolm Butler, for no apparent reason whatsoever. And it really cost them the game, as Alshon Jeffrey just abused Eric Rowe early on. Uh, eventually, they, they managed to get it under control, but Jeffrey just was schooling Rowe in the first half. And still, we've never gotten a rational explanation why Belichick did not play Malcolm Butler in this ballgame. I mean, just a couple seasons before, Malcolm Butler had the huge interception against the Seattle Seahawks to clinch that Super Bowl win uh, for New England. And of course, either New England or Los Angeles will have a parade next week, and we'll, but we will, of course, always be remembering our parade uh, next week, just trying to, you know, relive this for just, uh, for just a little bit longer. Um, and that's what this episode of BGN Memories was all about, just trying to relive this experience just a little bit longer, because yes, I know, um, that, uh, you know, it wasn't exactly, uh, it, it's, it's not exactly jumping into the, you know, too far back into the recesses of our memories, but sometimes here on BGN Memories, we're not going to travel all that far back because when you have a moment as good as Super Bowl 52, you pretty much just want to relive that as many times as you possibly can. And folks, that'll do it for episode three of BGN Memories. Um, we'll jump a little bit further back the next time we do one of these, but, uh, with the Super Bowl being played this weekend, just thought it might be fun to take a look back one year ago when the Eagles were on top of the NFL world. Thanks everybody for tuning in. I'll talk to y'all next time right here on BGN Memories. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds. Thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magirite is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Canva.